good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health there on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram Retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. And I just noticed the other day that this is leap year. We got 29 days this month. I wasn't aware of that. Not that it really makes all that much difference, but little fun fact, I guess. Anyway, this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. And with that in mind, we invite you to visit our website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the terahertz frequency devices featured prominently at the top of the homepage. My personal favorite being the OliLife P90 because it takes terahertz and PEMF to a whole new level. And uh, the results people are getting are just outstanding. There's all kinds of information there, videos and uh, downloadable flyers and brochures and booklets and whatnot. And, of course, the ordering information. And if you have any questions, just hit the Contact Me button, call and leave me a message, or send an email, and we'll get back with you as quick as we can, usually within a few hours, and we'll do everything we can to get your questions answered and get you on the right track. Also, while you're on the main website, be sure and hit the Radio Shows tab. At the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. Over 1,500 shows there now, shareable via email and social media, which we encourage you to do. And then right below it is the Rumble button, and all the shows we've done since October are there, and uh, over 100 now, I believe, and uh, more and more every day. And again, the more you like and the more you follow and that kind of stuff, the more people find out about it and learn how to restore their health naturally so they can avoid dangerous drug surgery and lethal injections, also referred to as vaccines. And... And, of course, if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information on the shows we do, when they're on and how you listen. And at the bottom of the page is linked to the archive or Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. And uh, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, Free Conference Call, Rumble, any of the other platforms we're on, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. As I mentioned yesterday, I have been uh, watching the uh, videos from the, what do you call it, the End of COVID series that uh, was put on by a couple of people and is hosted on uh, Brighteon, or I think it's brightu.com. And uh, I went ahead and paid all the money. is like $110 or something for the series. It's like 90 different videos, and I've downloaded them all. <laughs> that was fun. Thank goodness for high-speed Internet. Um, but we've got them all downloaded, and I'm slowly going through them one at a time. And so far, it's been pretty interesting. One that I watched the other day that I really got a kick out of was the one on um, proof that the 
uh, virus actually does or does not exist. And uh, there's a lady in um, where is it Canada who has been checking into these things and sent basically um, sending a free con- uh, a freedom of information act requests. That's what I'm trying to say to a whole bunch of different places, you know, like 250 different locations around the world, asking for proof that uh, they have isolated and purified and whatever this COVID-19 virus. And lo and behold, even though they're all saying they've done it, when it comes down to putting it in writing, they all say they haven't done it. So it's rather, rather interesting. But anyway, I'm going to play this video. It's about an hour and four minutes and 28 seconds to be exact. And, uh, well, it's not actually that long because the first 30 seconds is the lead-in, which I've already queued up past that. So we're going to get right into it. And I think you'll find it interesting the extent that this lady and others have gone through to uh, try and find proof that the alleged virus actually exists. And so far, they're coming up blank. So here we go. Hmm. And for some reason, it's not playing. Christine, go. thank you for joining me. Um, it's it's really amazing. We've heard a lot about virus isolation and the genome and things like this up to this point, but it's almost better to hear it directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and what you've been doing with regards to FOIA requests to various institutions around the world is really quite mind-blowing. So I wanted to start first by asking you how you even got into this process, what made you want to submit these freedom of information requests to various institutions around the world? Sure. Um, well, the what got me started was really a presentation by Dr. Andrew Kaufman early on in 2020, sometime in the spring. And that was um, his second presentation where he talked about Koch's postulates. And yes, we know they don't apply exactly to a virus, <laughs> even if a virus existed. Um, but he was talking about Koch's postulates and how um, basically, if, if virologists were scientists, how they could purify an alleged virus, they would actually look for it, find the particles, uh, purify it so there's no contamination from anything else, and then and then proceed from there to sequence it and characterize it and then do controlled experiments. And then he also explained what is actually going on in virology, which he found out in the SARS-CoV-2 papers where they claim to have isolated. So he laid it out very simply and clearly um, what they were doing with the cell culture and passing that off as virus isolation. And so that was really my inspiration. It was um, he explained it so clearly. And I thought, well, I had um, experience in the past with freedom of information and I knew I could use it um, to verify if there were any legitimate studies where they really did do proper steps. And if not, um, then the responses would show everybody, look, um, you know, Health Canada doesn't have any records where they actually did, you know, if they didn't do that first initial step, we know they didn't carry on with all the other steps. So that was what got me started. And then fortunately, a lot of people around the world jumped in and started helping and it just took off on its own. Wow. And, and why the FOIA request route specifically? Were you dealing with any sort of, you know, cognitive dissonance surrounding what Dr. Kaufman was presenting and you just wanted to sort of verify the legitimacy of it or what frame of mind were you coming from? 
Yeah, basically, um, I did look at the studies that he referenced in his presentation. I think there were four of them, um, maybe a couple from China. One, one was from Canada, I believe, and I forget the other one. But um, so I looked at those studies and I verified for myself that I could see what he was saying was correct. But then I thought, well, you know, you never know if you missed something. Let me just make sure. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I, I started talking about this on social media and sharing Andy's videos, and um, but I wanted to be 100% sure. So I thought, well, I'll start with Health Canada because um, I'm in Canada, and if anybody in Canada has this record, the, that was the first institution I thought to ask because they are sort of the equivalent to the FDA here in Canada where they approve products, they approve the clinical trials as well. So I thought if they have it, if anybody has it, it would be Health Canada. So I'll just make sure. And um, like I said, if not, I'll have evidence in writing that, hey, they don't actually have any, any proper records. And that was what it turned out, that they didn't have any records. Can you show us some of the examples of these requests that you've submitted and then the subsequent responses from various institutions around the world? For sure. Um, so I guess what I'll do is I'll share my screen. Okay, so here, here, here we are at um, my webpage. Well, I'll show you the homepage first. So if anyone's looking for my webpage, I'll, I'll tell you people two ways to find it. So one is um, the website is fluoridefreepeel.ca and fluoride is spelled F-L-U-O-R-I-D-E and then it's F-R-E-E and peel.ca. And then there's also um, a tiny URL, which is tinyurl.com forward slash no record found. So that's my home page. And then if you go to the very last item here on the, the main menu, that's where it will take people to the, the main page where we have the SARS-CoV-2 um, FOI responses. So um, this is just an introductory blurb. I'll just mention too, before we get started, that there's um, a couple of links right at the top here. So if we have time later, we'll talk about a couple of other important pages on my website. So the first one, uh, there's a link here. It says go here for FOIs and other imaginary viruses. So that's for everything aside from SARS-CoV-2. And then the next little link here, it's um, here for FOIs and virus control experiments. The page that we're on right now, these are the FOIs. The vast majority of them were asking for records of the alleged SARS-CoV-2 being found in the bodily fluid or tissue of any any people, anybody, anybody anywhere on earth. And um, it's a very long web page because there's literally... I would say probably minimum at least 240, 250 documents on this web on this one web page. So it's a very long um, website. All the Canadian ones are grouped here together, and then the rest of the page it's it's I, I admit it's not terribly well organized. But if people want to find something in particular, the easiest thing is probably to use your browser, use the the search function in your browser, and then for example, if you want to go to the CDC. Just type in CDC, and that's the easiest way to find something. So um, 
I'll, I'll focus on, because the CDC is so well-recognized around the world and so well-regarded, um, I'll focus somewhat on the CDC. So this here is our very first um, FOIA response from the CDC, and this was November 2nd, 2020. It was my colleague, uh, Michael. I have to give a shout out to Michael S. in New Zealand because he has helped a lot with this project. And he obtained the first response from the CDC. Um, and in this response, they, they gave us just a flat out no records found. So uh, all these documents, people can click on them. They can download them. And later I'll show you an easier way for people to download a lot of them quickly. Um, but we'll get to that later. And then I thought I'll highlight, um, we actually have eight responses now from the CDC because at different time points, people have asked repeatedly. So this was Michael again, and this was March 1st, 2021. He sent another request to the CDC and he um, was asking the same question again. And from this time point onwards, the CDC stopped giving a straightforward response. Never again did they tell us we have no records because I guess at some point they realized that we're sharing these documents and we're saying, hey, look. <laughs> so they started um, giving a less straightforward response to give the impression that, of course, we have records. <laughs> so um, what I'll draw attention to here is if you go to um, scroll down, I think it's the bottom of page three, Michael was having some back and forth and he was explaining to them, even though he had already explained clearly, look, this is what I mean by isolation. We're just talking about separating the alleged virus particles from everything else. And the CDC made a really important um, statement here. So down on the very last paragraph of page three, they said, the definition of isolation provided in the request, and he, so he had defined it as we're talking about the everyday uh, meaning of the word separate from everything else. And they're saying that definition is outside of what is possible in virology, as viruses need cells to replicate and cells require liquid food. So they weren't just saying no, we don't have this for SARS-CoV-2. Um, they're saying it's never done in virology, period, for any virus. And their excuse is viruses need cells to replicate. And we get this a lot. I'm sure you've heard it a lot, yeah. um, Alex. And people say this to us all the time. Well, the thing is, the the request had nothing to do with the virus replicating. I didn't ask. We, we never asked for records of a virus replicating Um we're not asking for it replicating without host cells. We're just asking for records of it being found in the bodily fluids. So if there really was a virus, supposedly um, they multiply inside cells, and then at some point they bud out of the cell and they're outside the cell. And of course, they would have to leave a cell to go to another cell. Or if they're going to infect another host, obviously they have to leave a cell. So it's a strange um, excuse to use because if viruses were automatically destroyed when they leave a cell, obviously they couldn't, they couldn't go to other cells, they couldn't go to other hosts. So it doesn't really make sense, the excuse that they're giving. Um, and they say, so cells require liquid food. Um, then they say, however, the SARS-CoV-2 virus may be isolated from a human clinical specimen by culturing in cell culture, which is the definition of isolation as used in microbiology. Uh, 
So again, they're telling us this is not just a SARS-CoV-2 issue. This is an issue with virology in general. When a virologist says that they are isolating a virus, they're actually doing cell culturing. And of course, cell culturing is the exact opposite of, of isolating anything. So that is probably one of the most um, important responses that we have in our collection. Um, another one I'll show you quickly. It's quite similar. And this one is coming from Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto. So in Ontario, where I live in Canada, um, we had four institutions that had claimed publicly to have jointly isolated the virus. They had researchers from four institutions and these were Mount, um, University of Toronto, McMaster University, Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and um, Mount Sinai Hospital. So what Mount Sinai told me in not one, but two letters, they told me twice, um, here it is. So the, the lady who was responding to the request, she said, I have been engaging with our experts. I'll just make that a little larger so people can see it. Uh, with our experts at Sinai Health. And we're not clear on the records that you're requesting as we're not aware the isolation of a virus in the manner that you have described is possible for any virus. It's not within the scope of current scientific processes. So there again, we have the same admission and they, they actually said it to me in two separate letters. They're both on here. So that's Mount Sinai Hospital. And again, this is just confirmation that they are not able to find viruses in the fluids of a sick person, in the fluids or tissue of a sick person, and their claim is that viruses exist and are excreted out using the fluids of a sick person as their method of travel, so to speak, and they can't find, we have no record of any of these particles inside the fluid or tissue of a sick person, and as we'll discuss with Jordan Grant a few sessions from now, this is simply a reification fallacy where they're assigning characteristics to something that is still fundamentally abstract. Absolutely. So I'll show you now the Public Health Agency of Canada's response because they said something interesting to me in their very last letter. So I have an article here about this um, on my communications with them. And if people just scroll down to the very bottom, there's a, a PDF that has all of the emails and letters back and forth. And so if people just go down to the very last letter, I'm gonna show you what they said. So on the bottom of page two, they're saying your request has resulted in a no records exist because of the way you formulated the request. The isolation of the virus is not completed without the use of another medium. Now, that was actually a red herring because the only thing I say in the request is don't give me records where any genetic material was added to the clinical sample. It's fine if they use um, a medium like this, the sucrose, which is used in ultracentrifugation. Um, so I wasn't weeding out that. I'm just saying don't add any genetic material to the clinical sample. 
Um, and then she says, therefore, we have no records that would show that this process taking place. It's important to understand the following. The gold standard assay used to determine the presence of intact virus in patient samples is virus isolation and cell culture. Now, this is, you know, completely ridiculous, as, you know, has already been covered. Um, they're going in the exact opposite direction there. But this is health, uh, Public Health Agency of Canada saying this is the gold standard. And then she goes on to say, um, well, she's just doing circular reasoning here. If the virus is present in the sample, it will multiply and produce visible cytopathic effects, which means that infected cells demonstrate visible changes. Um, so she's, she's, you know, doing that logical fallacy where you're saying if A, then B, and we observe B, therefore A, yep. which is like saying, oh, look, Santa, there's Affirming presence the under the tree. That means that Exactly. Yep. So then she goes on and says the detection of an increase in the genetic material by PCR further confirms that intact virus is present in the sample. So here she's just talking about a ridiculous PCR test. So, and then she mentions also another strange thing down here. She says, in the case of SARS-CoV-2 isolation, viral cells combined with the minimal essential medium were used because they are essential to support viral replication and cell growth. Now, again, that makes no sense because allegedly we're talking about, first of all, we're talking about something that supposedly already replicated in the infected host, the sick person. And then secondly, even if you did feel the need to do a cell culture, viral cells are monkey kidney cells. So to say that you have to have monkey kidney cells in order for this alleged virus to grow, um, again, makes no sense. So from Health Canada, we have another interesting comment. Um, this is more of interest to people in Canada, but it's it should be in interesting to people around the world as well. So on page four, the lady from Health Canada told me, um, health, so again, Health Canada is the one that authorizes products and clinical trials. And what she's telling me is Health Canada is responsible for authorization of health products. Um, and this type of information, what I'm asking for, would not typically be evaluated by Health Canada as part of the authorization of these activities. In addition, Health Canada does not work with patient samples or SARS-CoV-2 virus. And then she says... Um, Information on virus isolation would be best obtained from Public Health Agency of Canada, which does not have any records, or the National Research Council, which already failed, but they also failed to provide any records. And then I'm going to show you just one other thing with Health Canada, what they told me, which was pretty outrageous. So this is on page 10. They said, Please note that Health Canada's role is not to do pure scientific research or discovery. It is to review evidence provided by sponsors in order to make regulatory decisions to approve products and authorize clinical trials. You may wish to contact the sponsors of clinical trials and or companies in order to get the information you seek. This is Health Canada literally telling me, go ask industry for this information. I mean, this is just, it's mind-blowing. 
It's mind yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure the same applies to the FDA and the CDC. And I think specifically the FDA is that they don't validate or verify any of the research coming from industry. They just take it at face value in most cases. Yeah. And we do have, um, since you mentioned the FDA, we do have the FDA on record here. Um, this one, this one, I, um, what happened was I usually file my FOIs through email. I'm a little stubborn in that regard. And I, so I sent one to the FDA and this lady who responded, she, her name is Sarah Kotler. She's the director of the Division of Freedom of Information. And she has JD after her name, which means she has training in law. It stands for Juris um, Doctorate. So this lady who should know what she's talking about, she we had some back and forth and I she was trying to get me to use an online portal. And the online portal asks for your um your address, your telephone number, things that aren't necessary that she shouldn't need from me. So we had a little back and forth and I was stubborn and I wouldn't use it. But what she ended up she did end up disclosing to me that um, what I'm asking for, they would not have it. Um, it. This is on page eight. She said, in any event, the information you are seeking about purification would not even be with this, the FDA. So again, like Health Canada, this is the director of the Division of Freedom of Information telling me that. Um, we also have the NIAID, uh, that's your National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. That's your um, Anthony Fauci's Institute, of course. And we have three responses from them. And one of them, uh, I gave a summary here. They basically conflated isolation and purification with cell culture. They made some irrelevant comments about Koch's postulates. They cited um, irrelevant studies and, and um, web pages and talked about the fabricated genomes um, and just generally made some silly comments. There's another one from NIH. Um, and in this one, they actually referred me to the CDC's uh, so-called isolation study by Jennifer Harcourt and her colleagues. And so I explained to them, well, I, and they were telling me to ask the CDC and I told them we already have asked the CDC, the CDC doesn't have it. And I explained that the Harcourt study is um, D and I told them we already have asked the CDC, the CDC doesn't have it. And I explained that the Harcourt study is um, unscientific, but, and, and that was the end of it. So this is your, your National Allergy and Infectious Diseases Institution, and they didn't have any records. And then there's one more interesting um, response from them that was obtained by somebody else. His name is Ron Bublitz, and I'll just show you that one. Um, he asked them quite early on, this was not freedom of information, but it was a, a casual email. And what he did was they had released um, electromicroscopy images that were, they were claiming were of the virus. And so he said to them, I see that you released these images and I'd like to know how do you know for certain that those are the virus and how was it isolated? And the response that he got, um, I won't open it, but I'll just explain um, Basically, what they he was told 
he wasn't given an entirely clear response, but they referred him to the CDC's study by Harcourt AL. They said for um, details about how the isolation was done, um, look at that study. They didn't actually say it came from that study, and it doesn't really appear to be connected with that exact study, but that was what she referred him to for the methods. So... Um, would you like to see more or would you like to talk about? Well, th th this is just mind blowing to me and it should be for anyone watching this, that these again are the institutions that are claiming that there is a new virus. They're the institutions that are advising the governments around the world to make decisions regarding this alleged particle that is infecting people. And they don't have any documentation of these particles in the fluids of the psychosis. And just to be clear, Christine, you've submitted to now 214 institutions in over 40 countries and have any of them come back with a record of SARS-CoV-2 or any other virus? No, absolutely not. Not, not any of them. Um, we get various excuses. Um, sometimes they, they do refer us to studies or web pages, but we always look at them carefully and they never have what we're asking for. So, no. Can you show us an example of exactly what you ask? Because that's another excuse oh, I've yeah. heard people come up with is that the way you're asking it is too specific and no one could possibly fulfill that. And I'd like to dispel that myth right here. Yeah. And I actually have... Um, I actually wrote a little article. It's just a very brief article. I'll bring that up um, where I respond to that gaslighting that we get quite often from people like Jeremy Hammond, for example. Um, yeah, often they'll, they'll make it sound like I've asked. It's some ridiculous request. Um, Jeremy Hammond continually calls it a hoax. Um, and... I mean, it's just, I, I asked an honest question. I was very clear about what I asked about. What we get a lot is um, people focusing on the word isolation too. And they make it sound like, oh, well, you asked for records of isolation, but you ruled out the way that virologists actually isolate viruses. And my response to that is two things. Um, first of all, I explained exactly what I was asking for in the request, and I've never tried to misrepresent the requests. I mean, we, we've all done interviews. We've all talked about this ad nauseum over the last three years. We're looking for records of purification. And because of all of this controversy over the word isolation, quite early on, I stopped using the word isolation and I switched to purification. So my earliest request, yes, I did use the word isolation, and then I defined exactly what I meant by that. And later, I just stopped using the word altogether to stay away from it. Um, and then the other thing I'd like to just point out is in the wording that I've been using, I specifically state that I'm looking for records. Of, here it is. Please know I'm using isolation in the everyday word. Um, sorry, maybe I'm not showing you the right part there, but I say using standard laboratory methods for the purification of very small things. Mm -hmm. uh, for quite a long time, I've been using that in my requests. So I'm not even, um, I'm, I'm not asking for anything unusual. It's uh, supposedly other things of the same size range or smaller can be purified. So if they can do it with those things, they should be able to do it. Um, with an alleged virus as well. So um, 
And then I thought I would show, you asked about a template. So I'm going to show, or you asked about the wording, but I'm going to show also a template. So if people type in template, the easiest way to find it would be to, to use the search function. And down near the bottom of the page, um, if you go there, it will open up a template. And this is if anybody would like to file a response where they live and ask the institutions there. Um, there's a template on my site. There's actually two of them on here. So people can just copy and paste the wording from there as well. So yeah, we can review. Um, so I'll make this a little larger so people can see. So I asked, this was, for example, to the CDC. So all studies or reports that are in the possession, custody, or control of the CDC describing purification of the alleged COVID-19 virus, um, including any alleged variants, directly from a sample taken from a diseased human where the patient sample was not first combined with any other source of genetic material, for example, monkey kidney cells, or which are called Vero cells, or fetal bovine serum. And then I just clarify, I'm not asking for studies or reports where the researchers failed to purify the suspected virus, and instead they cultured something, or they performed an amplification test, or they fabricated a genome from sequences allegedly detected in an impure substance or produced electric microscopy images of unpurified things, because these are things that typically show up in the papers that they try to give us. And then I say, um, in a lot of the requests, I said, I'm already aware that according to virus theory, a virus requires host cells in order to replicate. I'm not asking for records that describe replication of a virus without host cells, nor am I requesting records that describe a strict fulfillment of Koch's postulates or records um, where researchers conflate the extraction of genetic, genetic material from a patient sample or cell culture with virus isolation. And I'm not asking for records that describe a suspected virus floating in a vacuum. <laughs> and I'm not asking for private patient information because these are some of the, the types of responses. We actually had one institution implied that I was asking for something floating in a vacuum. So I try to make it clear. I'm not asking for these things. Um, I'm just asking for records that describe purification, um, separation of the alleged virus from everything else in the patient sample as per standard laboratory practices for the purification of other very small things. And then I also point out um, my request includes any study report matching the above description authored by anyone anywhere, because I want to make it clear. Sometimes they respond as though they'll say things like, oh, well, we don't work with patient samples. Um, you know, we don't do this. We don't do that. But I'm not asking only, I'm not only interested in a record where you guys did it, where you wrote the report any record that you have of anybody on earth, because if these institutions, these public health officials were doing their due diligence, they would have made sure, yeah, there really was a virus shown in China. They would have made sure that, yes, it was actually found in their country, but they're not doing that. Um, and then I also say, if records match the above description and they're currently available in the public domain, 
Please provide enough information about each one so that I may access them with certainty. Because um, one thing for people to know is that when you file, typically, I mean, the legislation varies from uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but basically freedom of information covers things that are not already publicly available. So they sometimes they might try to make it sound like, oh, yeah, you know, sure, there's records like that, but, you know, just go search on PubMed or, you know, you can find them online somewhere. And so this is where I'm telling them, well, okay, basically their duty is to assist us in finding things. So if you're claiming that it exists and it's already out there, that's great. Just tell me where it is. Give me the title. Let me let me find it. Right. So that it's not just a vague um uh, response like that. So yeah, even though with all this effort to be so, so careful in the wording and so many people searching all around the world, we still don't have a single example of this being done. And if people would like to see um, the list without scrolling through um, hundreds of documents, there is an Excel file and again, if you just use the search function in your browser, you can find it um, that way. I won't try to open it because um, it will. you have to download it to be able to open the file. But there is that Excel file. And another thing I'd like to point out, um, right underneath the Excel file, we have a link to my Google Drive. And that's where um, I have been putting compilation PDFs there and they're grouped somewhat by country. And this right now there's eight, I think there's eight there right now. Um, so this is, uh, it would have all except the very most recent FOIs in there. So every once in a while I create a new compilation PDF and that way there's just eight PDFs for people to download and they will get hundreds of the responses that way rather than trying to download one at a time. We also have responses on many other viruses, alleged viruses. So if people want to go to that page, we have a lot of information there too. And because we're focusing mainly on SARS-CoV-2, um, I'll just mention that um, we have asked about other alleged coronaviruses. I'm just going to find it. Okay, so for example, we have requests where we've asked about the alleged SARS um, virus from 2003 or any alleged common cold coronavirus. And so again, we have the CDC on file admitting that they have no record of any of those having been purified ever by anyone. We have um, numerous institutions in New Zealand, um, or a couple of them mentioning that as well. And then we have, we have a lady in England who has been helping us, and she has asked many different um, local public health or local municipalities, the, the little cities and towns and whatnot that have health units. So she has asked there's probably at least 10 of them, maybe a dozen that she has asked. And typically when she um, 
contacts them. She'll ask them about many different viruses. There's about 10 of them that she typically asks them for. So when people scroll through this page, they're going to see like alleged virus after virus where none of those municipalities in England have ever. And these are these are like public health units where they actually do testing of people. Right. So they should have records. Um, but basically, we have um, not every single alleged virus, um, you know, that has ever been talked about, but we have, I think, all the major ones by now. And I'll just draw attention to this one, too. Um, so this is one with Public Health Agency of Canada. I just asked them for any record of any alleged virus being found in any diseased human period, any virus whatsoever. And they didn't have, and they just told me, no, like they just, it was a straightforward no. Um, we've also asked the CDC for any record of any alleged virus that supposedly is addressed by either the childhood or the adult immunization schedule. And they had, they admitted they didn't have any for any of those alleged viruses. We have one other page that's uh, of interest as well. So that's the one with the control experiments. This is where we ask, um, we're asking institutions, do you have, we're, sometimes we're asking for details of the alleged controls that they use when they're doing their so-called isolation. So what happens typically we find in these um, articles where researchers claim to have isolated the virus typically they don't mention any controls at all. There's just none. But we also know there's some papers where they make a vague reference to mock controls. And it's very interesting because they never go into the details in their methodology section. They don't tell you exactly what they did. They don't tell you if they treated those, um, those they would have dishes where they have the same cell line, but they don't add uh, a sample from a allegedly infected patient. And they never tell us what they actually did do to those, those cell lines. So uh, we've done, made some efforts to get responses, to get more information that's not included in the studies. So for example, both my colleague Michael and I have um, contacted the CDC and we asked about their study by Harcourt AL because that's one of the studies where they mentioned mock controls. And um, so we both received quite uh, ridiculous responses. Michael tried it first, and then I followed up with another attempt. And instead of getting anything with um, any of these details, what they gave Michael was 37 pages consisting of emails between authors in the Harcourt study, which didn't give us any of the details that he was looking for, and then a copy of one of the earliest Chinese papers that had claimed to have isolated the virus. So that was quite um, silly. And then when I asked them, they gave me also some emails, and they gave me 24 pages of the letters A, T, C, and G, which was the printout of the alleged genome from the United States. So again, this whole page is quite interesting because you'll see different attempts. Uh, at times we were just asking, um, do you have any controlled experiments where um, that were done with purified particles, fully controlled experiments where someone scientifically showed the existence of the alleged virus and um, they don't have any um, 
And then again, anytime we ask, we try to get details of their alleged controls where they mention mock controls. We get the most ridiculous responses. Um, Michael tried with the UK Health Security Agency in, uh, in the UK, and they told him that this would be a national security issue and that they couldn't release the information for that reason. They also said it would directly contravene an explicit request from the World Health Organization not to release that information. Um, so it's just, we're always running into ridiculous, um, excuses. One time they asked for thousands of dollars to release the information. Sometimes they call us vexatious. It's just, um, nobody to date. We haven't had a single institution willing to provide details about their so-called mock controls. So there's that. And there's a couple of important um, responses also that I'll just show you on the main, back to the main page about SARS-CoV-2. So we have done a couple of requests about the spike protein. So there's two requests where we asked if anyone, if they had any record of anybody just finding the spike protein and purifying that from a clinical sample. So we know they never actually found the virus, um, but did they just find an alleged spike protein on its own? And again, they've not been able to provide any study where anybody has even done that. Um, and one thing for people to know is what they what they do when there's many studies published where supposedly they're analyzing the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, but what you have to watch for is they're they're either looking at studies where they did an indirect test, which has never been shown to be specific for this alleged protein, or sometimes what they're looking at is um, they're looking at a protein, but it's what they call a recombinant protein. And it's actually a protein that they made in the lab so that they could study it. So again, it wasn't something where they actually found the alleged spike protein in an actual um, person. And then it's the kind final... of like RNA infectious clones. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Um, and then I'll show you one more with the spike protein. Um so this was actually, this one was inspired by Tom Cowan. He said he um, suggested this. So I asked them, this one I was not asking for anything being purified, and I wasn't really asking for legit studies, but Tom, I guess, had was aware that they weren't even doing the what you might call a bogus sort of study on the spike protein. So you would think, because they put out these um, mRNA so-called uh, vaccines, where supposedly it causes the body to create the spike protein, you would think there would be studies where they compared people who had had those injections and people who had not to compare and see, okay, do we, when we run our tests, when we run those indirect tests that supposedly detect the spike protein, do we find them in the people that had those injections and not find them in the people who didn't have the injections? And of course, you would want to weed out anyone who you think is infected. If you actually believe there's a virus, you would want to weed those people out um, so there's no confounding. But they don't even, they couldn't even offer um, a study where anyone had done that to check and see, you know, if this claim is actually backed up by any data, even any insufficient um, 
unvalidated tests. And then the other thing we asked for was um, they tell us that these antibody tests are specific to the alleged spike protein. So you would think there'd be studies where they had um, people had received these injections um, that supposedly caused the body to make the spike protein or supposedly had COVID-19 and um, they should be able, you would think they would detect the alleged spike protein in those people and then compare them with people who had been injected with other toxins. And that might sound like a strange thing to ask, but I mean, they inject people with other so-called vaccines all the time, which contain toxins. So they could do a study where they check to see, look, do we get positive test results on people who were injected with other so-called vaccines and do a comparison. But again, they don't even have that. So they don't even have, um, you know, a test based, uh, studies based on their own um, bogus tests that you would think that they would have. So again, it, it, it is quite uh, mind blowing. Christine, the magnitude of this information is really quite incredible. Um, again, because as I stated earlier, these admissions are coming from the very health institutions that are making claims about these particles and the subsequent products that were developed because of these alleged particles. And they're the ones who are advising government uh, so-called authority figures around the world on what to do because of these particles. So it's really amazing that they have no records of any of these things when you request them. Yeah. And I mean, and we know that it, it just, um, it just affirms what we already knew from looking at the literature, you know, and especially say, people like Mike Stone and the Baileys and, and Stefan Lanka and others who have gone, Andy and Tom, who've gone through paper after paper after paper searching. The, these responses, they're just affirming what can already be seen. And, uh, you know, I had somebody say just um, yesterday, they were suggesting, well, you know, maybe all these institutions, maybe they've been told by someone to to withhold the records, you know, like they're like a conspiracy type theory that they're just not, they have the records, but they're not releasing them. And uh, again, you know, I, I said to them, well, that doesn't make sense because it's not as though their their methods are hidden. We know their methods. They publish their methods. It's in there in study after study. All you have to do is read the papers. So it's not it's not that they're withholding anything. It's just that this is what they've been getting away with um, for decades and decades. So, yeah, yeah, and and it's all obfuscation and and. Uh, creating intentional confusion, um, or I guess you could speculate on whether it's intentional or not, but it's it's all confusing. And it, when you get to the details, the granular details of each of these things, you really see that they don't make any logical sense, nor do they make any scientific sense, as we'll cover later in a session with Dr. Jordan Grant. So, Christine, thank you so much for your work. Um, this is such a vital piece of what we're trying to communicate. Uh, again, governments and, and health institutions admitting that they also have no record of SARS-CoV-2 or any other virus is really qu quite extraordinary. So thank you so much for your work. And thank you, Alec. And thank you to all the people who helped collect these. And thank you to Dr. Andrew Kaufman for his inspiration 
because it was him that got really kind of got the whole thing triggered. So thank you to everybody. And uh, for everything that you're doing, Alec, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of you. So thank you. Thank you. All the best to you and your family. Thank you, Christine. Marvin, thank you so much for joining me, brother. It is an honor to be talking with you, especially because what we're going to be talking about with respect to virology is something that happened really recently. Um, the only other time I'm aware of virology and its foundational premise regarding these obligate intracellular parasites and their supposed, supposed pathogenicity uh, being on trial was with respect to uh, Stefan Lanka's measles case. So this is the first time in a while that I'm aware of where virology has sort of been put on trial. So could you just go into the details of what happened with you, you know, purposefully being fined uh, based on the, the measures that were in place in Germany? And we'll, we'll go from there. Yes, uh, sure. So basically, when uh, the regulations were um, put in place, the policies in Germany, basically the same like uh, everywhere. So we had mask mandates, we had uh, uh, restrictions to enter restaurants and so on. Uh, we had lockdowns, we couldn't meet with more than two people at a time. So during all these uh, restrictions, um, Stefan Lanka, um, who went to court in 2015 and 16, with the measles virus, um, basically issued um, a guide guidance uh, on how to uh, how to object this uh, in court. The good thing in Germany is we have a um, a law of infectious disease, which uh, really starts in the first paragraph with uh, a science. Um, uh, request so it it says that every everybody every virologist every health institution every hospital every authority should work according to the latest state of the scientific method and um, therefore um, yeah Stefan Lanka told everyone hey if you get fined by these fines just uh, object it and uh, say that the COVID measures which are based on the law of infectious disease are uh, not uh, rightful because the paragraph one of the law is already not fulfilled. So I followed this uh, um, recommendation by Stefan, basically. And um, what I did is to prove my case, to prove my point in the court, very early on, I sent a Freedom of Information Act uh, similar to those by Christine, um, but more focused on the control experiments. I sent uh, one of uh, one to um, Australia to the University of Melbourne uh, to the Daltrey Institute, which um, basically published one of the first SARS-CoV-2 papers out of the Asian uh, um, continent, and. Um, I asked them very specifically if they performed control experiments on the uh, genome sequencing, for example, and I got a very uh, honest and, and straightforward answer by them that they have not performed any controls on the whole genome sequence process and that they didn't do it because they didn't have the resources, basically. This is what they told me. So I, I had this FOIA request uh, as uh, a proof in the court and I sent uh, many other uh, proofs. For instance, I quoted uh, the German Society of, of Science, uh, which uh, clearly says that uh, in order to be um, 
in, in line with the scientific method. You have to do controls. You have to control all your methods and so on. You have to document every result and everything. And these are very standard methods and uh, standard rules. And um, our um, Center for Disease Control in Germany called the Robert, Robert Koch Institute, RKI, um, is uh, supposed to follow these rules. Uh, they say it on their website also, and they are by law uh, obliged to do so. So this everything together was my strategy in the court here in Germany, in Hamburg. And uh, I also consulted uh, three other uh, cases with the same strategy. And uh, yeah, all of them got uh, closed. So all were won. Nobody had to pay the fine. And uh, this is basically what, what happened. I was fined, as you uh, said, uh, it was intentionally. I went outside very early on and collected as many fines as I possibly could, uh, not wearing a mask, to be very quick uh, into going into the court. So, um, yeah, I just went inside the police office without a mask and asked, uh, you know, for the fine. And also in the street where I lived, I, I did it. Uh, so, What was their um, response when, when they saw that you were being <laughs> fined intentionally? Yeah, I just gave them my my ID without even talking or bothering. Wow. Like, uh, uh, this was very quick. And also <laughs> on the street where I lived, I, I mean, I then I had a chat with them to, you know, check how the police officers were reacting to my arguments. But then, uh, yeah, it was very easy and... Also on some um, demonstrations in Hamburg, sometimes what happened was very funny. I, I didn't wear a mask. And uh, when the police approached me, I, I showed them or I gave them my ID, like without even finding an excuse. And they just ignored me and went further to the next person. So they were kind of uh, overwhelmed with this uh, reaction. But uh, yeah, uh, jokes aside, um, this is what I did. And then some weeks or months later, I received the, you know, uh, the fine and I objected it. And then it went to the court. And then I, I received the invitation for the court trial, um, which already was like one and a half years later. In October last year um, was uh, the first invitation. Then two weeks before, I received a letter from the court that the judge uh, is uh, apparently sick. And then uh, that this um, will be postponed. And then um, I, I followed on uh, like for weeks and months. I didn't hear from them. And I thought, okay, they just uh, ignore it. And they just, uh, you know, close it without even uh, doing the hearing. But then finally, like uh, six weeks ago, I, I received uh, the invitation. And on the 26th of April, so very recently, we had this uh, um, yeah, court trial. We had many people here in Hamburg coming, uh, like a hundred of people. The court room was completely full. And um, yeah, I, I made my arguments. I stated my points. The judge uh, told me, okay, basically you sent here all these uh, documents, all these uh, proofs. And um, then he, uh, he invited as a witness also the police officer who gave me the fine, uh, but basically she couldn't remember anything. She couldn't recall it. So this was just a, um, a basic protocol uh, and, and standard stuff. And then 
he just closed the case. Basically, he told me, yeah, uh, you will find uh, like uh, more than one time already. And uh, I don't see any reason uh, to, uh, to find you uh, again or basically to find you at all. And then um, uh, he just closed the case. And I asked him, uh, why are you not uh, issuing, issuing an official statement uh, or, you know, uh, or even uh, sentence me, whatever. And then he, he said um, that uh, he doesn't see it in this case. And uh, for him, uh, he, 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 he doesn't want to bother me any longer and he, he will close the case, which is fine because uh, this happened like four times, as I told you before. So all of, of the four cases that I supported with the strategy here in, in, in Hamburg were closed, which is uh, yeah, four times winning. And the court is just uh, helpless. Uh, they cannot possibly do anything else because uh, in the in the case that they would uh, they would find someone finally, we could always go to the second level to the higher court, and there it would be required to check the evidence, and uh, that would be of course detrimental. Uh, and therefore, they just close it on the first stage very early on without you know public attention and uh, very easy for them. Of course, we made it public anyway, so. Uh, Many people now know by following this approach that you will never pay any any cent. So basically what you're saying is you this this is speculation, of course, but what you get the feeling or the impression of is that they don't want to take it to the next level because then they would be forced to sort of admit that their so-called measures were not based in anything that strictly adheres to the scientific method. No strict proof with proper controls. Obviously, you could also have used proper, properly identified independent variable. There's several things really you could show where virology does not adhere to the scientific method. And this is the premise by which they, you know, brought about these measures. Yes, uh, this is what I suspect, and uh, also um, it became quite quite obvious actually because the court in all these four cases never made any argument or any comment on all the documents that I handed in, like not even one sentence. So they kind of totally ignored this, and of course Stefan Nanka's case in 2015 and, and 16 was uh, unprecedented and the you know the community and the the legal community knows about this of course and they don't want to this is my opinion now i think they don't want to to risk uh, something like this again let the cat uh, out of the bag essentially yeah, they don't want to let the cat exactly. out of the bag yeah yeah so yes. it's so frustrating too just for the people watching this uh, and it'll be covered later on during this event but stefan lanka's case if you look that up on any search engine of course you'll find that he lost in court but that is not the case because when he appealed he actually won because there was not sufficient evidence to prove the existence or the pathogenicity of the measles virus so when it comes to your case this is sort of of building on that context in Germany. And it sure as heck seems as if they definitely don't want to bring this to the next level for fear of letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak, with regards to virology, not adhering to the scientific method. Um, you know, oh, wait, wait a second, one, one more comment, uh, which is very important. Not only did Stefan win in the second, in the higher court of, of Stuttgart, but the doctor who wanted to have the 100,000 uh, euro price money 
and handed in these uh, six publications, he uh, wanted to go to the highest court of Germany, like the third level, but then he, he was not allowed to do so. So they, they really shut it down after the second level, after Stefan won. So this is also something that not many people know, that uh, the, the highest court just uh, did not let the, the doctor go on further. <laughs> That's really interesting. I actually had never heard that. That's uh that's that gives even more credulence to the idea that they don't want to let the the truth out about the pseudoscience of virology. And as as a final question, Marvin, um Dell Bigtree in the United States has said a, a number of times now that the no virus position is an incorrect approach to take because that would enable people like Anthony Fauci and some of these other people who have perpetrated this fraud against humanity to walk off scot-free. Because I know while we're talking about gain of function, we're talking about lab leaks, there's this little group of people out there that keep talking about terrain theory and germ theory and this conversation that many of you may not even understand. But I just want to say this. We are going to get into those conversations further down the road with some of the people out there. But if what you want is to remove the idea that any of this ever existed, that any of this ever happened, then what you're saying is you want Tony Fauci to walk off scot-free. You want all these liars that lied to us and locked us down to get away with this by saying, oh, the germ never existed. It was never there when clearly the science is turning on them. Their own science is turning on them. And right at the moment where we are going to move into indictments and take these people out, what some of you out there want to do is let's just change the conversation altogether and let these criminals that destroyed our lives walk off in the sunset. I don't understand it. I don't understand why that would be your conversation right now. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, just wait. We're going to have this conversation further down the road. What are your comments to that with what you've experienced with your case? Yeah, I, I don't agree to this uh, argument because, uh, first of all, uh, Fauci, uh, Drosten, and many others were claiming that there is a virus, first of all. So if there is no virus and we can prove it by our own control experiments that turn out to be positive as well, and also by the scientific uh, documents that were issued by the virologists themselves, the original publications, we can show in the original publications that they have never uh, um, followed the scientific method and they have not, not isolated any virus whatsoever. So uh, by, by, by clearly stating that we, we can put them uh, in, a, in a very difficult situation as well. We are not letting them uh, run because uh, yeah, I, I, cannot, I, I don't understand this argument, honestly, because they all, always said that there is a virus and that they have scientifically proven it. And would, this is totally wrong. This, this was based on scientific fraud and not following the method. And the gain of function uh, experiments, um, yeah, you can call it uh, like a distraction strategy by them, or you can call it uh, misinterpretation. I don't care at all because I'm just focusing on the, on the facts, on, the, on what actually went on in the, in the real uh, you know, lab. And uh, this is not a gain of function. This is just, uh, you know, pseudoscience. Like you said, it's, uh, it's uh, experiments in cell culture. It's no, no experiments in vivo whatsoever. It's just uh, artifacts, stressing cell culture with antibiotics and other toxins and so on. Uh, no direct proof, just indirect proof and so on. So this is totally 
sufficient for us to uh, really um, put them in a, in a very difficult spot. And I, I think they would love, they would love us to go the gain of function uh, route because somehow they could use this as an escape hole to uh, protect the, the the virus idea, right? Yeah. If there is a gain of function experiment, then it implies that yeah, yeah, you can create a virus on uh, like artificially, but uh, this is uh, not our goal to to go this route. Yeah, Mark and Sam Bailey will be covering the the gain of function narrative more extensively later on during this event. But just a quick comment, you bring up a great point. I think that the gain of function narrative is actually a a has scarier future implications in that now we have the alternative side latching on to this idea of lab made viruses. And this idea is is much more um, fear inducing that you could take something that is that is naturally occurring which is also there's no proof of that in the first place but take something that's naturally occurring and then make it sort of weaponize it and make it more lethal uh this is this is not only something that perpetuates the idea of virology which has no basis in reality but it also gives them plausible deni deniability surrounding all of the measures because then they can claim well yeah you know the virus was made in a lab but ultimately we it was an accident and we tried to come up with the best measures that we could in order to help humanity and that was masking isolation and vaccines and things like this whereas the the lack of proof of viruses altogether sort of puts it in the category of deliberate fraud yeah exactly well, Marvin, thank you so much for joining me. This was an incredible conversation. Um, and if you enjoyed this session, please subscribe to Marvin's list and Next Level's list below and stay tuned for more. Thank you. All righty then. Hope you found that interesting. I know this is the second time I've seen it and I, I still get a kick out of it. They do a great job, and basically they're they're doing a fantastic job of showing that there is no proof that there is a virus, not just COVID-19, but any virus for that matter. And the Stefan Lanka case back in 2015-16 uh, with the measles virus was quite monumental. Um, and again, the German courts sided with him, saying there's no evidence to prove that the measles virus exists. And... Uh, it, you know, we could do the same thing with virtually any other, you know, chicken pox, whatever you want. No virus has ever been isolated because they can't. You can't isolate something that's not there in the first place. And on the deal with Del Brigtree, you know, my thing is the truth is number one. The truth is there is no such thing as a pathogen, virus, bacteria, whatever that makes you sick. And that's the most important information that has to get out there because the entire foundation of vaccines and a major portion of what the allopathic medical community has hung their hat on for decades is the fear factor and the scare tactics of little bugs that make you sick, things that you can't see that are going to jump out and get you. And the second people start to realize that that whole thing was one monumental fraud and having Fauci on TV over and over and over again, talking about the virus, the virus, the virus, the virus, the virus, 
whether he was engaging in gain of function, trying to make the virus more bad, which was not the case. My thing is he was, they were engaging in, in producing a bioweapon, a toxin of some sort that caused these effects. And they just called it gain of function. You know, regardless, he was involved in funding a lab in China to produce this thing. It's not a virus, though. It's just some other thing, toxin of some sort, that people got on them and made them sick. You know, couple that with the uh, uh, 5G technology, which was a big part of it. And you still got him, you know, because he was jumping up and down about the virus, regardless of whether it was, you know, the fact that it's even more powerful as far as I'm concerned, the fact that the virus doesn't exist and him saying it did and that's what was making people sick. Not only do they, you know, come out better with hanging him for allegedly uh, saying something exists that didn't, but at the same time, the world will get over this fear factor of being afraid of wee beasties that make you sick when they don't. And just that one change in mentality will get rid of tons and tons of illness that is caused by psychosomatics rather than reality. Just people's fears make them sick. And that's a whole other session that we're going to cover later on. But, um, you know, I think the the key thing is to get as much information out there as possible to show that this bogus claim that there's a virus, you know, if there's a virus, prove it. And so far, nobody can do it. You got people like Julie Mikovits. Oh, yeah, we've isolated it. No, 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 no. You know, she has been in part of, you know, with the AIDS garbage. There's no AIDS virus either. But she'll sit there and say they've isolated it and they did this and they did that when they haven't. And all these other people that buy into this stuff, you know, because they're wrapped around the germ theory, when they finally got to, you know, sit up, take notice and say, wait a minute. I've been banging my head against the wrong wall. You know, the second people realize it's not germs, but terrain, and that you take care of your body and you don't get sick, the better off everybody's going to be. Now, if anybody's out there that thinks I'm crazy and agrees with Dell Bigtree and company, jump in and tell me about it. <laughs> Anybody on the, uh, on the line that wants to say something, jump in, unmute, and, and uh, give your comments. Love to hear them. But uh, I think this, uh, this series is going to be really interesting, and they're covering a lot of different topics. Uh, we'll be getting into the face mask and uh, the psychology of all of it, the fear, um, the shots, you name it. Hey, Liz. Hey, Sarge. How you doing, Sweet Pea? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. We'll see what goes on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just got to get the blood test and talk to this guy. So since I think that the other the uh, oncologist has dumped me, yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, you should dump him. <laughs> yeah, well, or him, whatever. It doesn't matter. They, they what they want to do is more invasive for me than anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, from what this program is saying, is they want to keep us in fear. Fear exactly. is a killer. Mm-hmm. Fear in itself is a killer. Oh, yeah. If if you walk around in constant, you're constant stress. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you're years in, off your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly 
turn, you know, looking over your back to see what's going on. I mean, and, and they've done this for years and years and years. I mean, obviously, throughout my adulthood, uh, between uh, the wars and uh, atomic bombs, I mean, we, mm -hmm. that don't exist. Yep. Um, <laughs> people have to be on have to get over the fear yeah they've got to be deprogrammed but this is it we've been programmed since childhood to yeah. be afraid mm -hmm. and i wonder as far as the vaccines are concerned i know uh, um in my generation when the kids were small and there was measles mm -hmm. you put them together right Measles, you know, chicken what, pox, the same to, thing. You'd have yeah, parties. Yeah, play with little the, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, let's have a measles party, uh, and um, and they got over it. Yeah, and the other thing was, if it was really a virus, then every kid would have gotten sick. But that didn't happen. Some did, some didn't, and it was a matter of toxicity in each of the kids, and the suggestion in the minds if the if the child was more suggestible to these kind of things and more toxic they were more likely to get sick but the kids that weren't didn't and that just flies in the face of the whole virus issue you know? yeah the thing of it is too i know i remember with my youngest daughter got it first and then of course my older one was all over her and uh, she got it worse. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> and, of course, I believed in the germ theory at that time. But thank God I didn't go out and get a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. And that's, that's going to yeah. be covered in, in future videos on this series, if I'm not mistaken, is those, you know, because it's the what about, you know, thing. What about measles? What about, you know, chicken pox? And I've got a, my, my pastor's daughter is a, you know, I had a chat with her. I may have mentioned this before Thanksgiving. I was over their house for dinner and her husband was asking me about my radio shows and what we talked about. And I said, lately we've been covering a lot on the alleged, the fake germ theory. What do you mean? I said, the idea that germs make you sick and they don't, it's all about taking care of your body. And <clears throat> his wife comes over and well, I got I got chicken pox from little Billy so-and-so in the sixth grade. I said, you know, how do you know that? Well, he had it, and I was near him, and I got it. I said, yeah, so that doesn't mean you got it from him. That means you were highly suggestible, maybe, and you were toxic, and you were told that if you're around somebody that you'll get it, and you believed him, and you got it, but it wasn't from getting, you know, the only reason you actually got it from him is you saw him with it and then were so suggestible that you were willing to get sick yourself. Your mind made you get the same thing because, oh, no, that's crazy. I said, well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. So many people are so wrapped around that axle that, you know, and I keep, I want to ask, I said, look, you know, you're, this is conjecture. This is hyperbole on your part. You're just assuming that something that they had came to you and made you sick. But all the scientific tests that have been done in history to prove what you're alleging have proved the opposite, that you don't get sick from other people, that it's toxins 
and crap in your environment and your mental state that causes you to get illnesses. It has nothing to do with someone else other than the mere suggestion of someone else being sick and you got it because you thought you were supposed to. And well, there are a couple of things. Uh, one thing is that they've proven, I believe, is um, the uh, fa- um, parasites. Well, yeah, parasites are different. They're real. You know, parasites, yeah. you know, and it's like, I a, think, like a little dog that bites you, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the bacteria, when you have an imbalance in your bacteria, in the good bacteria, bad bacteria in your system is going to make you sick. Well, again, that's another not so true thing. You know, really? a lot of the studies, there's no such thing really as good or bad. You know, there's because bad means they make you sick when then they don't. Bacteria are bacteria; they're there to clean up messes. And again, that's that's a misnomer that so many people, including naturopaths, have bought into. But more and more information is coming out from the people that are doing the studies. It's not good versus bad. It's just toxic versus not toxic. You know, if you're toxic, you're going to see more of one thing because it's there to clean up the mess. It's not necessarily making you sick. It's there to help you get unsick. And then you take things, antibiotics, that kill those things, <laughs> which compound the problem. It's, it's a crazy, crazy situation. But the bottom line is bacteria there are the cleanup crew. They're the firemen. It's just people don't realize it. And then there's big firemen, there's little firemen. <laughs> and sometimes they have red hats, sometimes they have yellow hats, sometimes they have black hats, but they're still firemen. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But the more you dig yep. into this stuff, the more you start to ask those questions. Uh, was, is that Samuel? Did I hear him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they say there's as many bacteria in our body as there's cells in our body. Um, it, you know, sailors used to think, and of course a lot of this probably had to do with it in the, in the olden days, that if they fell off the ship and got into the water, that it was a death sentence because they would get sick and die. And some people say that that's because they were a petri dish of bacteria, both in 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 a battle with each other, keeping a, a symbiotic nature, even though they were foul in their cleaning habits. Uh, but they were held in 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 bay, and when the salt water hit them, the salt water killed off some of them, threw them out of balance, and then the other bacteria killed them. <laughs> The most of it was vitamin deficiencies. You know, for a long time, they thought there was some little bug that was making them sick from scurvy. And then even when there were, there were doctors down the road that figured out that vitamin C was going to solve the problem, and even after they figured it out and recommended it to the Royal Navy, it was another 80 or 100 years before the Navy finally adopted having citrus fruits on all their, all their ships. Um, you know, that's, that's the insanity, you know, and they just said, well, there's some little thing that I can't see that I get when I get on board a ship and get out in the ocean. <laughs> not that uh, when I'm out at sea, I'm not getting the things that I normally get when I'm on dry land and like vitamin C. And, you know, and again, like Max Planck said, you know, science advances one funeral at a time. You know, these ideas that these guys plant in people's heads 
will not go away until the people doing the planting go away. And it's just a slow, slow progression of people that are doing better research and being more honest and not succumbing to the financial aspects that most of these people in the shysters now do. You know, they're not going to put out the truth. It's just like when Wallach discovered the, the real uh, you know, problem behind uh, cystic fibrosis back in the late 60s. Proved it was a selenium deficiency. Turn it on, turn it off just by giving or withholding selenium. And to this day, if you talk to any MD and ask them about cystic fibrosis, they'll tell you it's a dreaded, terrible genetic illness. Because they're not going to let the truth out because they make more money with the lie. And that's exactly why a, the germ theory flourishes, period. There's, a, there's another piece out there that I uh, Merca sensed uh, over the weekend that I really enjoyed. It, uh, there's a guy on YouTube called Trey Smith, and usually his stuff involves uh, the Bible. And in this particular case, the, the, the Trey is talking about frequencies. And um, in there, he shows a lot of this, um, kinesiology, uh, energy testing that you can do, but within that piece, he talks about his mother who got a, uh, a death sentence cancer um, thing from the doctors, and she was a very religious woman, so she took all the uh, scriptures she could find in the Bible that had to do with faith, and she put them all over her household, and she would go up to him during the day, any place she was in the household, and read it out loud. And uh, he said within six months she didn't have any cancer. Yep. That's, again, the power of the mind and positive thinking. Liz, you might want to try that. Can't hurt. Might, uh, uh, might help. You got that yeah, right. watch the piece. Watch the piece. It's called Frequencies, and it's Trey Smith. You have a word for it by any chance, Sam? Um, not offhand, you know, I'm just limited to this cell phone, so. Yeah, Trey Smith, Frequencies, was it a YouTube? Yeah, 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 he, he did a series called God in a Nutshell some time ago that was pretty nice, and, uh, but this is new, and it's on, on the frequencies that are everything, everything's a frequency. Yeah, I just found Including how we think and do and... (laughs) Ah, frequency. There we go. Um, give me a second here. There is. And when the, you get that done, I got a question on supplements for you. Okay. Yeah, I just put the uh, link for that video in the Telegram or on the chat room, and it's also going in Telegram. Go ahead, Samuel. What's your question? Hopefully, I've. An yeah, answer. on this gluco on this gluco gel, it says to take four caps daily, two by two. Um, is, is that adequate, or no. is it supposed to be more? No, they have to put something on the side of the bottle just for legal purposes. The therapeutic uh, dosage for glucogel is one capsule per 10 pounds of body weight per day. And uh, you can round up or down. Um, if you weigh 200 pounds, two 240-count bottles would be appropriate. That would be 16 a day when it breaks down. You know, Ideally, 20 a day would be perfect. But 16 a day will get the job done. Uh, that's what I did when I when I had my uh, when I first started. I was taking two bottles a month or 16 a day, and I was 240 pounds at the time because that's basically all wow. I could afford. 
and I was still able right. to rebuild my knees in, in three months doing that. So, yeah, but one capsule per 10 pounds of body day is the thumb rule of thumb. And then, you know, you can go up and down. Ideally, 10 pounds, you know, one per 10 is the best way, but you can, you got a little bit of flex there. I was just following the bottle, and Dave's the one that straightened me out on that, and I just wanted to get a second opinion. He told me 16 for me, about 160, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, ideally, what, what what Glidden says is one per 10 pounds of body weight. And, you know, like I said, since they come in 240-count bottles or 120-count bottles, you know, the 240s are the least expensive, and that comes out, you know, over a 30-day period to eight per day per bottle. So one bottle per 100 pounds, two bottles per 200 pounds is, uh, you know, financially and, you know, because of the way the math works out, that's that's an easy way to go. You could get some extra and do the, the complete amount, and that would be even better. But uh, this will still, it's, a, it's close enough to get the job done, generally speaking. Yeah, I had, uh, uh, you know, that dizziness, and, and, and Dave thought that might be part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I but used to also, have that. Uh, I got a contracture instead of just a re- regular little trigger finger. A couple of months, three, four months ago, I got a contracture that really jacked up my joint for a while, and I've been working on that. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I use the wand on it too. It'll, it won't hurt, and it can probably help. Um, I used to have that same problem. If I made Jim. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Samuel, you didn't sneak in any gluten in there, did you? Wheat, barley, rye, or oats? Oh, I do pasta once in a while. Not very often. And now, I, I've i noticed, you know, like we go to an assembly meeting uh, once a month, and they're, you know, potluck kind of thing, and once in a while I get, I get a little gluten, and I, I've seen... Two weeks later, I've had that. My finger swelled up like I had rheumatoid arthritis, and I couldn't move it. I mean, it was painful, and it was like, wow, what the hell? Where did that come from, you know? And then I rem- remembered that meal I had, and, you know, I wanted it, and, um, took some extra glucogel, and it took a couple days but it went away but usually that inflammation that's coming from something that you got in in your mouth nope. I, anyway i'll yield well i don't know if a contraction would be considered inflammation but it sure is, is the tendon not doing what it's supposed to be doing <laughs> Man, you guys are giving me all <laughs> well, kinds of editing to do here <laughs> connective what? tissue yeah 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 that's anything like that it's it's inflammation and gluten is a good source of it so is fried food and oils and things like that um you got to watch that stuff that's for sure um but yeah i tried to do the muscle test with the with the uh uh the thumb and the and the pinky mm-hmm. interlaced with each other and you pull them apart right right left and right I can hold that as strong as I want, whether I call myself Jesus Christ, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter. Is he saying that you can't hold and pull them apart? Right, I can keep them strong. You're, are you having someone else pull on them? 
No, it's me. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you're cheating. you got to have somebody else try to do it. <laughs> if you hold your finger. That's, that's the problem. I'm looking for a, a, a muscle feedback thing that I can do for myself. Yeah, that's, that's kind of tough. You, with with muscle testing, you really need to have a second person there to do the push and the pulling and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like I've been able to stop that needle, too. If I close my eyes, I don't get anything. Hmm. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done anything anyway. with needles. But... Yeah, anyway. I thought that would be great because now I'd have something I can use for myself and test. And I don't know, sort of was able to throw a brick through that window too. So. Yeah, do do it with weights. You know, if if your fingers are so strong, you know, put a, you know, get a, a different weights with a ring that you can put through your fingers, and you know, slowly add five or ten pounds until you know, you know, because otherwise you put 150 pounds on there and you should be able to pick it up with your Thumb and forefinger not coming apart. <laughs> Probably not, but that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. You really need to have somebody else to help you with those tests in order to really have a good gauge on things. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that video out. I've got uh, I've got it in the chat room in the what call it the um, Telegram channel, and uh, the website for um, Christine Massey is also in the chat room in the telegram for her uh, FOIA request stuff, which uh, she's got a lot of documents on there. And most of them, it'll say something, you know, talking about my, uh, what she have, my uh, affidavit. And when you click on affidavit, you now it's a link, and it brings up a ton of things. There's a whole bunch of downloadable PDFs. Um, but, yeah, she's got a ton of documents on there. And, like I said, every single one of them is... You know, government agencies and whatnot basically admitting that they have not you know, isolated the virus. And, um, you know, that's the key. The money is in the lie. The money is in the fear. And that's why they keep pushing it. Because if people know that they're able to avoid all this junk simply by taking care of themselves, doing things totally inexpensively and avoiding people with initials after their names, the whole thing falls apart the whole house of cards of medicine <laughs> and uh, unfortunately like i said even it's not just allopaths that have bought into the germ theory it's pretty much everybody in the medical community with a few exceptions that are you know like tom cowan and um andy kaufman and so many others that have um, realized what was going on the baileys uh, and and seen that hey this whole thing is a big scam, and the, the more they dig into it, the more that rabbit hole they find out how deep it is. Uh, yeah, the thing of it is, like I have listened to Dr. Berg, and he just he's putting things on a separate channel that he can talk about rather than just a YouTube. You know, he'll like mm -hmm. he sends me an email and says, well, well this. This is what I can put on YouTube, and here's the other video. <laughs> and here's That's the truth. If you want the truth, yeah, go to this place. <laughs> here's more truth. And like he, when he's talking about the cancer, he was saying that what it actually is is a, a mitochondria that has changed. 
the, the mitochondria, the healthy mitochondria uh, is, goes through apophagy and it leaves your system at, at night when you're fasting. But the cancer, the one that has been changed, doesn't, won't die. And that's what the cancer is. It's, it's a morphed mitochondria. And uh, yeah, he was talking, and he also talked about that blue, the methylene blue, blue. Mm -hmm. methylene blue. Yeah, yeah, he, he mentioned that. So um, it's it's really really kind of interesting how some people, some of them, who believe otherwise than what the obviously the uh, government is telling us, have to be sneaky about it. You have yeah. to just things on the side in order to still be out there over 40 and years ago I, I i've never heard anybody say it before i did it's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong and they will attack anything that goes against their narrative whether it's the government allopathic medicine uh, big banking big harma you name it if you're putting something out that's going to attack or or you know cut into their bottom line be, pre be prepared to be attacked because they'll come after you. And, you know, hey, Jim. Yes, sir, Gary. Did you hear where the, was it Italy or France won, just passed a $45,000 euro France. bill. Yeah, that if you uh, criticize the COVID narrative, they can find you. Yeah, and lock you up for up to three years. <laughs> Don't forget yeah, that part. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, what you just said about, whether it's the truth or not, if you go against the government, they're going to get you. Yep, and it's getting worse and worse now. You know, it, it, they're reaching the point where you know there used to be some semblance of decency. Um, you know, even back back in the day when I was a kid, you know, you had Democrats, you had Republicans, and and even the Democrats were not total you know brain dead morons. In this day and age, you can't say that. Because the ones that really adhere, you know, the people out there that still believe that Joe Biden is the greatest president ever, you got to check and see. You need to do a brain scan to see if there actually is one. Um, you, they've we've reached the point now where you got one side that's still trying to deal in logic and common sense, and the other side is totally in la la land. They have stepped out of reality completely, and everything they do is total made up bs and when you're dealing with people like that there is no compromise and that's what we're seeing a lot in you know like in france right now with that stupid stuff it's a total flat out lie there's no proof to anything they do they can't say any they can never justify what they're doing but they don't care they just do it and they're the ones with the power they're the ones with the guns they're the ones with the jails so they're going to do what they want to do and we're going to see more of that here. Um, it's slow and coming because we, we got guns too. Uh, but in places where everybody's disarmed, they're basically doing whatever the heck they want. And they don't care anymore. Uh, they, you know, if there's a constitution, we don't care. We'll do what we want. Same, just like they're doing here with the constitution. But yeah, it's, it's, it's getting weird. And it's going to get more weird. Uh, if people don't stand up and I, that's why a lot of places are looking to us because we're the one country that basically us in switzerland that still has firearms and uh, 
they're just hoping we uh, do the right thing. And I'm questioning whether we'll have the guts to do that, unfortunately. <sighs> but, yeah, that's what makes every day more interesting. You say, what kind of crazy stuff are they going to come up with next? Yeah. I don't want to see any more of it because it's bad enough already. But, yeah, the, you got the truckers that are deciding, well, we're just not going to deliver to red or blue cities anymore. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. I read a thing on the morning show today where the, the truckers are they're cutting off New York. They said, you keep doing all these things against Trump and all this other craziness, and we're just not going to deliver to you. See how you like that. And they claim that 70 to 73% of all goods are delivered by truck. I would say it's closer to 100%. Somewhere along the line, when you get something, no matter where it comes from, it's going to be in a truck some part of the process. Everything that goes to a grocery store, everything that goes to a, a department store, anything that's delivered from Amazon, sooner or later, it's going to be on a truck. And... You know, it might be that 70, 73% are um, privately operated trucks as opposed to guys that work, you know, that I don't know if Amazon's got its own major trucking line to bring everything. That would be pushing the issue. Um, I don't know if any company is able to do that. But um, sooner or later, they're going to go through a non, well, might be not non-union, but a non-company owned truck. And if that's the case, they can shut off just about anything they want within reach. Sarge? Yeah. Yeah, no, Amazon hires people to, they hire uh, private people to oh, yeah. deliver. No, I'm talking about the main, the thing, the, the, the stuff coming out of the warehouses is oh, okay. private people, but the stuff coming into the warehouses, that's coming oh, out yeah, of that's... 53 foot semis. And oh I've yeah, never same with Walmart or anything. Semi. Yeah. Uh, so I think that stuff's coming, you know, because there's so much stuff, and it's coming from from such varied areas that uh, it would be hard for them to have their own truckers and their own fleet of trucks bringing the stuff to the warehouses. You know, I've got several of those things in my area, and they are huge, and there's more coming up every day, and. Good grief! the The square footage in each one of those places is probably about a million or more, and there's several of those within ten miles of me. Um, it's crazy, but uh, even Amazon could be cut off at the knees. But now there's some that are saying we'll only deliver to red states, <laughs> and if it's a blue city in a red state, we may cut you off if you do the wrong thing. Yeah, it's getting uh, getting wild. But people are being, uh, I guess, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, more creative in the way they're dealing with it. Because, you know, even if the government is in control, they're still at the mercy of private contractors in many cases. You know, when you take New York's a blue state with a big blue city, and, uh, but, the the way I, I got a kick out of what the one of, one of the truckers said, you know, conservatives make the world go round, liberals make our coffee, <laughs> and that that really spells it out. You know, the people that are really doing the work, most of them are conservative nature because that's just the nature of being you know a hardworking person as you become conservative, um, and the liberals, 
they're going to do the things, you know, the service junk. Oh, I'll make your coffee. Yeah. You know, they work at Starbucks and places like that. And again, anybody that buys coffee from Starbucks, you're not allowed to listen to this show, period. (laughs) They are one of the most liberal anti-Christ companies on the planet. And, uh, you know, years ago, I I can't remember the guy's name at the time, but he was the... uh, uh, chief operating officer or senior vice president or executive vice president or something. And in a major, you know, uh, stockholders meeting, he basically got up and said, if you, uh, support, if you don't support homosexual marriage and, uh, the LGBTQ WXYZ square root of three groups, uh, we don't want your investment money. And I said, okay never get a penny of mine i wouldn't invest with them but i don't buy anything i haven't been in a starbucks in years um the other thing was a group of marines uh, were over in iraq and they sent a thing to starbucks just asking they wanted to buy coffee from them and starbucks said nope we only support lgbt stuff and we don't support you and we're not going to send you anything whether you pay for it or not and okay (laughs) you know hopefully those guys are all anti-starbucks now but uh, that's the thing. You know, people need to vote with their dollars more. Uh, unfortunately, the liberal side of things, they're pretty good at it. They won't support conservative issues. But on the other side, the conservatives, they, they cater more to their um, vices than they do their uh, convictions. You know, I get a kick out of all the people that claim to be pro-gun that buy Ben & Jerry's ice cream or buy Starbucks coffee or any of that stuff, when these companies, you're putting money into their anti-gun campaigns. Why on earth would you do that? It's, it's nuts. But, um, oh well. Get off my soapbox. Let's see, what else is going on? Let's see if there's more news that I missed or has updated since this morning. Uh, bombshell COVID-19 boosters found to impair your T-cells, shutting down your body's natural defense against infections and cancer. Well, well, well. <laughs> Fannie Willis, lawyer, not dominated or donated to anti-Trump propaganda pushers. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Wall Street Journal tells financially struggling, struggling readers to skip breakfast to fight food inflation. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Canadian government attributes nationwide poverty to high food costs, not failed government policies and money printing. <laughs> Why do you think you have high food costs? Hey, Sarge. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw, with watching YouTube, I get all these commercials all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, they have one commercial on there. Senior citizens, I get a $1,000 uh, food coupon from the government every month or whatever. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, are you selling your soul for that? Yeah. I mean, they're they're going they're going to get get payback somewhere, yeah, one way or another. You're going to give something up to get that. I've seen a yeah. lot of that lately. There's some kind of new program or something out there. I saw it on Facebook too, where they're um, if you're over 55 or 65 or something, you can get a monthly food allotment. Yes. Oh, yeah, yep. right. Yep, that and dental. Mm. They're pushing the free dental. Never pay again. Anybody over 65, well, 64. Yeah. Yeah, just walk in the place and say, no habla. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, I mean, but I, what gets me is the people who probably are pushed into this oh, yeah. don't realize there's got to be a payback. You don't mm -hmm. get anything for free. Yes, yeah, the old, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they're at the age where they should have learned that by now, and they still haven't. Because, unfortunately, the older you get, the more gullible you seem to get in many cases. And uh, you got to always ask yourself, what am I giving up to because get Because some, of these, some of these people, some of these people like we have in our, in our development here, are on Social Security. And they're only getting like $1,000 a month. Yeah. So how, they can't survive on that. Yeah. So they're desperate, and that's what these the government cashes in on that. Mm -hmm. And they're doing the same thing with the illegals. They're giving them two to three times what you can't live on uh, on Social Security because they're new. You know, we got to give them extra so that we can get them in here, get them hooked, um, you know, get them on all the programs, and then they siphon all the money from the programs off to their own pockets, and the, the illegals are getting hung out to dry and they're just being used at the same time, but they're still getting a lot of money from taxpayers that uh, they don't deserve. You know, the thing is, if somebody comes here legally, they don't get free cell phones, they don't get free health care, they don't get free college education. And it makes, it's got to make you wonder, you know, if I was outside the country and I wanted to come here, would it make more sense to come here illegally or legally? You know, from a financial standpoint, illegally is a whole lot better way to go. You get everything handed to you. You don't get nothing handed to you, plus you got to work like crazy to get anything. Uh, they just, you know, that's typical. And the only thing I can chalk it up to is professional courtesy. I mean, the crooks in government are giving crooks, the little crooks coming across the border, a little extra stipend for being crooks. Stealing your way into the country. It's, it's crazy. But, you know, they, they promote this stuff. Oh, man. Let's see here. With America's medical... Yeah, is, yeah go ahead, Samuel. Uh, citizens are enemy of the state. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that puts it easily. Mm -mm -mm. Man. With America's medical industry fully militarized, of course, Big Pharma is using deadly reptile venoms to create drugs and cosmetics. Gila Monster Venom is popular weight loss drug. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Plus, they used all the uh, snake venoms in the vaccines and all that junk. Oh, goodness. They got a picture of a non-venomous snake here. But they don't care. The only video at the bottom of a story featuring health ranger Mike Adams of Natural News in a new interview with Doc by the name of Dr. Brian Artis. <laughs> Gotta should have known. is one of the most fascinating interviews that I've seen since the COVID op was launched. And it happily uh, and I happily listened to the entire nearly hour long video in which Dr. Artis shared with uh, with us all the must learn information. I'll break down for you in this story. Hopefully the story's not an hour long. Uh, starting out for us by taking 
starting out for us by taking us through a recent conference that he had participated in and a question he asked his audience. How many of you know someone who is taking the diabetes weight loss drug Ozempic and having nearly everyone in the room raise their hands? And popularity of Ozempic has been skyrocketing following several celebrities admitting they'd used it and lost to lose weight rapidly. While even the New York Times recently did a story about Ozempic reporting how tech moguls and influencers have been bragging about taking the injectable drug to also lose weight rapidly. I did a show last week on Ozempic. Um, There's some other bad and nasty things about it besides. And while I was, uh, I myself have never even dreamed of taking a weight loss drug and in fact have been, uh, have happily gotten myself off of all big pharma poisons. And that's me too. I was taking several years ago. I found the discussion about Ozempic mind-boggling when Dr. Artis shared with us the fact that we can all confirm about Ozempic ourselves in case we're called conspiracy theorists. Ozempic was created using the venom of the Gila monster, a desert-dwelling reptile which has toxic and deadly venom. With this uh, story over at uh, The Conversation, Reporting scientists found a hormone in the Gila monster venom called Exendin-4 that could be used to treat type 2 diabetes. A hormone familiar or similar to the one found in humans called GLP-1, which is released after eating and is important for controlling blood sugar levels in humans. For a short time, all seemed great in the warped world of Big Pharma in that they found uh, what many hoped would be a miracle drug that could not only successfully treat diabetes, but also help people shed pounds rapidly. But, of course, they didn't take into account the many side effects which come along for the human beings with drug created using toxic venom and deadly reptile. If you want to lose weight and take care of your diabetes, get on a carnivore diet. You'll lose a bunch of weight. And you will be a no a former diabetic in no time. With no negative side effects, by the way. And with the amazing story of the creation of Ozempic, uh, just the jumping off point of the talk between Mike Adams and Dr. Brian Artis, as the conversation story also points out, Ozempic was Wegovy. Uh, and Wegovy, I guess, are just two of the drugs on the market Um this very moment, created by Big Pharma to make a few million bucks off of uh, totally clueless people, <laughs> created by using poisonous and often deadly venoms of reptiles, as well as other land and sea creatures, such as cone snails, which are known for producing a variety of venom peptides that they use to immobilize their prey. With Big Pharma quick, uh, quick to, the, uh, to create a synthetic version of one of the pep peptides found in the cone snail venom to create a pain-killing drug called Zyconotide, as, uh, this, as, as this April of 2022 story by Mike Adams over the National News has pointed out, uh, people are shocked to realize how many pharmaceutical medications are derived almost entirely from rattlesnake venom, Gila monster reptile venom, pit viper venom, scorpion venom, and other such sources. And as we learn from Dr. Brian Artis and Adams in the fascinating video below, as well as a story over at the website Fierce Biotech, uh, there's an undeniable link between the COVID-19 and rattlesnake venom, 
with this University of Arizona story reporting like venom council or coursing through the body, researchers identify mechanisms driving COVID-19 mortality. Whew. Reporting within that research uh, had identified um, what may be the key mole- uh, molecular mechanism responsible for COVID-19 mortality, and that has just so happened to be an enzyme related to neurotoxins found in rattlesnake venom, which are at odds uh, which are the odds that spike, or what are the odds that spike proteins cause uh, effects in the body that just so happen to be nearly identical to those caused by rattlesnake venom? Hmm. With more and more proof that big pharma is using venoms in their poisons, uh, which they uh, then market to the unsuspecting American public as cures to the ailments which they face, keep in mind that this February 9th story over at Zero Hedge reports. The entire medical industry in America has been fully militarized, which all uh, which adds more proof to the remarks recently made by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that the vaxes were totally a military operation, research created and owned by the U.S. military, with Pfizer and Moderna just paid to make it appear to be like the vaxes came from the pharmaceutical industry. Yet, we must remember that the military here in America and around the world were created to kill, not to save lives. <laughs> Simply put, no wonder they're using so many evolution-tested toxins in medications. Yeah, big, nothing like Mother Nature to kill you. And as Mike and Dr. Artis also discuss within this video, there's a whole slew of pharma technology companies popping up all over the world in recent years that are dedicated to using venoms in their products which they'll later greedily sell to the unsuspecting public to make a few more million or billion yeah <laughs> and i'll put this one in the chat room and on the telegram channel yowzer well we got about two minutes left anybody else have anything they want to bring up in the short time where did that go there it is i put a i put a link in the chat to uh frederick bastate's the law, the law. <laughs> yep everybody if it they should... haven't seen that they need to go over it yeah that's right above my stuff uh, from natural news uh frederick bastiat was years above his time ahead of his time and um the law is a fantastic thing that really points out, you know, bottom line, how um, once people figure out they can vote themselves uh, funds out of the public, large us, uh, pretty soon everybody is on the government dole. And uh, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it should be a required reading in every uh, oh, yeah. first and second grade class. Yep every every year of school uh that one and every every adult in this country should be reading the uh crimes of the educators that book is just amazing uh it will make you so mad you won't be able to see straight i can only read one chapter at a time on average because i'm so mad by the time i'm done i just can't go forward but i'm almost through it i got a couple chapters to go and uh I will. That's one that I'll probably read every year. Uh, 
And that's one that every every adult in this country, especially if you have children or grandchildren that are you know being considered for the public school full system, uh, read this book, Crimes of the Educators. The public school system is just another failed government program. I've been saying this for the last nine years. That needs to be shut down, not revised, not revamped, not redone, not adjusted, shut down. Because they are destroying countless children, you know, over the last hundred years in this country. And it's why we have so many functional illiterates, why we have so many dyslexics. It's all because of the system that Dewey came up with in the late 1800s to teach reading, uh, get away from uh, solid phonics and go to the look-say method, and uh, it's destroying people's minds. Um, So, oh, goodness, we are out of time. I did it again. Thanks for everybody being here. Take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live, and we will be back tomorrow. Who knows what we'll be talking about? There's a lot of good chances. But we'll see you then. (laughs) Be ready for a surprise. (laughs) Take care and God bless. Thanks, Sarge.